Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team, Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed paleo primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Hi guys, thanks so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you here on our very first grass-fed podcast. Today we're going to talk about grass-fed beef, how to cook it, store it, select it, all the good stuff. So first, we're going to tell you a little bit more about ourselves, and then we'll get into cooking the beef. All right, so my name is Caitlin. I am a holistic nutrition consultant, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I grew up in the South eating Southern comfort food, and... I was a little overweight when I was in my middle school and then teenage years. And then in college, it got to be really out of control with me being over 240 pounds when I graduated. So I've had to deal with a lot of ups and downs with my weight and eating too much and, you know, eating for comfort and all that kind of stuff. But what one day when I was out of college, I decided, well, I'm going to take care of myself for the first time and I'm going to do Weight Watchers and count my calories and eat low fat and exercise. And I did that very successfully for about 10 years and I became a personal trainer. I moved to California because I thought, oh, everybody's going to be healthy and I'm going to, you know, get into the swing of everything. Well, it turned out that I ran three half marathons and then Guess what happened? My health crashed big time and I was stuck in the bed, could barely do anything except sleep and I didn't know what was wrong with me. My digestion started going wrong for the first time ever and I had just no energy and what I found was that I had Hashimoto's. So that led me on a new path to seeking out ancestral diets and looking for ways to make myself healthy again. And I decided that I would stop experimenting with diets and running myself ragged and I would start healing myself. And it's been a really interesting journey to get back to being whole. And I'm still working on it every day. But along the journey, I also wrote a cookbook called Mediterranean Paleo Cooking with my husband who is a professional chef, and one of my dearest friends, Diane Sanfilippo, helped us out with all the beautiful stylistic details that she's so good at. And, you know, one thing that made us write the book was that my husband was trying to help me find a better way to get healthy. And I noticed that his recipes were so much so full of good stuff that's really close to paleo. So we decided to write all of his recipes down. And so I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself. 
Hi, hi everybody. My name is Nabil. Thank you for being our listening to our first podcast. I'm from North Africa, a country called Algeria. And I've been here in the state for about 12 years now. I used to live in San Francisco before we moved to Nashville about a month ago. Uh, I went to the culinary uh, school in San Francisco and graduated in 2010. Since then, I worked in several restaurants. I worked uh, at the Visa headquarters. I worked at the Omni Hotels. And I worked at the Marriott's. So... In my old experience, I I want to share with you about especially the steaks, which it is a big thing for the paleo community. And I worked at several steakhouse, and I will try to answer your questions about how to select meat, the way you cook it, and your way to understand it carefully. Awesome. Okay, so first we're going to talk about reasons to eat grass-fed beef and why it's so much healthier than conventional beef. So essentially all grass-fed beef, all beef is grass-fed. It's usually grass-fed for several months and then the cows are switched over to a feedlot where they're fattened up for the slaughter. So they're trying to get them up to a certain weight. And what really gets them fatter is eating grains and corn and soy. So that's an interesting note. And it tends to do the same things to humans. But another thing that they do is also the cows are on um, just dirt and sometimes they're crowded in really tight. And so there can be a lot of disease and they use a lot of antibiotics which have two effects. They fatten them up, but they also can create, uh, they, they use a lot of antibiotics and then that can create bad effects for us and the cows because, you know, we both get resistant to the antibiotics after a while and it changes the gut floor in the cows. So they're more likely to have E. coli and stuff like that, that you always hear about all these recalls. And so the reasons why grass-fed beef is better, is a better choice, is one thing is it has this fat called conjugated linoleic acid, which is very helpful for preventing many types of cancer. It's also very high in um, vitamin E. So it has four times the the vitamin E of regular beef, and that's really good for healthy skin, and it's very supportive for brain health. One more thing I want to say about CLA is that it is very promoting of fat burning in humans. So the more CLA, the better. And people even take that separated out as a supplement. Um, But it's much better to get it in its whole form from beef. So it also has a lot of omega-3s, which we all know that omega-3s are very helpful for reducing chronic disease, and we want a lot of omega-3s in our diet, and they also help to to decrease inflammation. And the other thing about omega-3s is you really want them in balance with your omega-6s. 
And omega-6 is a more inflammatory type of fat. We all need a little bit of omega-6, but you need it to be in balance. So you need maybe a two to one or four to one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. So, but the real, the problem is a lot of people have a ratio of, of a, of a 20 to one. So (laughs) my husband's better at math, but basically you want to have not so much omega-6 and you want to have a lot more omega-3s in your diet. And the place that omega-6 is really high is in corn, soy, and canola oil and animals that eat corn, soy, and rape seeds. So uh, that the meat can actually become kind of like eating vegetable oil if you look at it literally. So uh, grass-fed beef is even actually leaner naturally than grain-fed beef. And it's a good type of fat that's very good for you. And, you know, you also always hear about animal welfare. The thing about animal welfare is that when cows are healthier and they have free range and they can roam all over, then they have a much less stressed life and they're just better all around. It's it's more humane for them and we get a better product for us to eat. So it's more humane. There's less disease and it's better for the environment. So cows can actually create kind of a self-sustaining thing on uh, free free roaming farms and they actually move them from one part of the grass to another and it can actually regenerate land that is gone, you know, without water or I've actually seen pictures and, and been to talks at, uh, Weston A. Price or the Savory Institute where they actually regenerate land. That's just basically desert and make it lush green, uh, fields again. And it helps the, the, the water. And it's really amazing to see what it can, what can be done when it's done in a, in a healthy way. So, Again, you avoid the hormones and the antibiotics. And the other thing is a big thing you hear about a lot now is the GMOs. So GMOs are a new thing that were introduced in the 1990s where some DNA was introduced into the cells of plants. So something that is not related, for example, like a tomato and a fish. And they were put together in the DNA And, you know, our bodies really don't know how to deal with that yet. It's a new thing. And it's kind of scary because we're the first couple generations to ever have these foods around. And, you know, I think the the jury is out, but the verdict is in, in in the real sense, because our health and of of people, the obesity and the... um, autoimmune diseases are all on the rise and it just doesn't seem like people are getting healthier with this new fangled food. So I always like to look back at how things were done for thousands of years and get some good information from that. And that's why we like to eat grass-fed beef whenever we can. And it's important not to be crazy about it and like never eat out, but you know, you're also voting with your pocketbook every time that you make a purchase. So 
you're supporting a lot of small businesses and farmers that are trying to do the right thing. So I always like to find the best one. So Nabil's going to talk about how to find it and how to cook it. All right. My turn now. Okay. The first tip before I explain anything and everything about beef and steak and whatever in between is don't be shy and ask your butcher. Most, you know, stores now with Safeway or Kroger or any big like a Whole Food, they have butchers, I mean, counter and you can go and talk to them and ask them the questions and they're the best people to know and try to build a relationship with them, know their first name, like, you know, go and tell them what you want to cook because they're really, really not knowledgeable people. So just go ahead and whoever you're buying meat from, just go introduce yourself and in the long run, you will see that it's much easier to select because they know the inside and out of every beef they cut, how fresh it is, how good it is, and how how long it has been out there. And the second one is try to get the meat without the wrap. It's the one without packaging. The packaging one, a lot of time you cannot know or smell or it's it's already from you know the company and you have no idea how the marbling is inside inside because they have all this design stuff on the top they make it sure that you don't see what you want to see yeah and we go now to the beef what i do and the best way of thinking about it every time before even you go to the butcher know what you want to cook you want to cook something slow or something fast or you know, specifically the dish, how long it takes. So what I do is just, okay, I'm going to make a steak today. I'm not going to buy something tough like a chuck because it's not going to be as tender as I want. So picture a whole cow. A whole cow is split in three. The front, the middle, and the back. The front one is where the shoulder is. The shoulder is always in the front. And because the animal uses the shoulder a lot to move, those parts are going to be a little tougher. So, you know, they work a lot, those, you know, the front of the cow, so it's tougher. The best thing of cooking it is braising or, you know, steaming or whatever the technique you want to use it. But it takes longer. The middle of the, the cow, it's called uh, the middle, and it's ribs and loin. You can, you can tell from that, it's loin are a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, soft and leaner meat. But at the same time, it's split in two, because if you go to the middle, you'll find the short ribs. And short ribs are not a kind of meat that you want to you know, grill or something. It takes longer. Braising is the best thing to do. And the back of the, the animal is called the rump. And it's the same thing. It's where the round and and uh, the shank, the, the leg of the animal. Yeah, and the animal is, I mean, when you go and buy steaks, 
there's the roast, which is a bigger uh, quantity of meat, and there is expensive a whole roast, and you know most another affordable like the top round or brisket are you know not I'm not saying cheap, but I say a little affordable compared to a whole filet mignon or a whole prime rib or ribeye. And this is, I mean, when it, when it comes to those expensive cuts, that's why I always say know your butcher because they will tell you what the best way of doing it because you don't want to waste your money if you're buying, you know, the prime rib and you're messing it up at home. It's just, you know, not just flank steak. It's, it's a filet or prime rib. And uh, when it comes to steak, there's so many steaks and there's expensive steak like uh, the filet or the ribeye or T-bone or porterhouse or even in New York and some places are selling a little expensive. And there is the cheap one, which I like a lot, like uh, the flank steak. You can make it like a... It's, it has a great flavor. You can make them as the sandwiches. You can make them as stir-fry. You can use them in several different things. And when it comes to ground beef, I pick always 80-20. 80 means lean, 20 is fat. As fat as you can get is the better because ground beef has the tendency to release its juices and you want the fat to be there so it will be not dry. And... What you find a lot when we go from the restaurant, we go and buy uh, the beef. There's six different choices, like the grades. The top three are the best ones, and the one we usually use, there's three of them. Like There's a prime, and there's a choice, and there's select. All of them are good. Prime is it's pretty tough for you know grocery store to sell it. Because it's really it's about one to maybe three percent, and all those big hotels are restaurants, like fancy restaurants. They buy it, so you don't get much of it. And the the choice is nothing wrong with it. It's really good cut, and select is 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 okay. But the the USDA they make this difference it's actually what's USDA I'm talking like I'm doing something special it's it's all about marbling as much marbling is in the steak the grade goes up the most marbling is the prime and the lowest marbling in this three categories is the select it's it's a little leaner compared to the prime or a choice and when it comes to uh, a regular steak, there's three ways of looking at it. There's the color of the steak, there's the smell of the steak, and the touch. Uh, the touch, I don't think any butcher will let you touch the meat all around. It's the only, the only time you can touch it is when you buy it and you're taking it home. Uh, the best part is you can always take it back if you if you notice that it's sticky 
when, when if you touch the meat and it's sticky, it means it means that it's not fresh and it's a little old. I think the best thing is just wrap it back and take it right away back to the butcher. And don't feel bad because you're doing them a favor because you don't they don't want I'm assuming they don't want to sell anything bad to people. So don't think like oh they're gonna get mad at me or something. It's you're doing them a favor. So just took it take it back. Sometimes I take back or I send back cases from work and it's fine. I don't feel guilty. I feel like I'm saving people's life and I'm saving their business. And when this comes to the smell, anything beside a meaty, like slightly meaty steak, it's not good. You have to smell a little meat, but not too much of it. And you don't want to smell any anything else like sour. That's That is not a good meat. And the most, the most you can do when you are at the butcher, it's the, the color of the meat. The color of the meat, which Caitlin already said, the best meat is the grass-fed meat. And even you put, when, when it's a big restaurant and they put the, the grass-fed meat and the prime steak, even the prime is the most popular one, you'll see the color of the grass-fed it's like dark red color. The, when, when you see it like the, because if the oxidation, as soon as you take it out and you put it, it starts like it's, it has a little slight red by going like staying in a longer time in uh, the fridge and it keeps like turning the color. It's oxidation. It's a brownish. So that's, that's the best one. And the difference between them on the grass fed, I noticed for my own experience, the marbling is yellowish compared to the prime, which is white. So you look at it, and you you definitely, when you put them next to each other, you'll notice the difference. And if you see anything dark, like anything like black spots on the white or on the yellow, just just go away from it. This is what... I learned from from my experience working at steakhouse and and places like that. And steaks steaks are I think everybody most people know how to cook it, especially when it comes to fillet fillet or the ribeye or the the t bone or prime rib. It's the best the best temperature I think is medium rare to a medium. Anything beyond medium, I don't think, is you're doing fair to the cow itself. But, I mean, it's if people are has a different taste and different thing, you can go any temperature you want. But when it comes to steak, the best way of cooking it, it's on the grill. But if you don't have a grill or if it's raining out, outdoor and you don't want to do it, it's uh, cooking it at home. The best, the best way of doing it is just make sure that the pan you're using is hot. Put it on a medium high. When it's hot, you, you drop your fat in a pan. The fat, you can use any good fat besides those GMOs fats and vegetable oils. Do not use those, please. You're messing up just the steak itself. You've made, you know, big, big progress and 
went to the butcher, tried to understand the best cut, and you take it home and you put in it in canola oil. It's, it's just wasting of your time. And you make, you put the fat, you can put lard, you can put coconut oil, you can put any good fat. Then when the fat is melted, you put the meat. Most common mistake people do, try to touch it right away, touch the meat. They're like they're scared if something will happen to it. You just don't touch it, drop it, leave it for about two minutes on one side. It will build a crust and it's called searing. You sear it, then you flip it to the other side. You flip it for another three minutes and you put it in the oven. Depends, it, it, it's the temp, the, the temperature of the, the oven should be about 350 to 400. And you don't want it to be lower because it's, it's steam itself. You put it inside. The time is, depends with the cut itself. If you're using, uh, a porterhouse, which is a bone-in meat, steak, it takes a little longer. It takes about, 15 minutes because it's T-bone or porterhouse is the same. It's just like part of the fillet and part of the New York. So it takes longer to cook. But if you're using some lean cuts like just the New York with no bone, it takes lesser time. All right. When the meat is done to the right temperature you want it, you take it out. Do not, please do not cut it right away. Meat needs to rest. The only reason is if you cut the meat right away after you're taking it off the uh, of the oven, you lose all the juice. With, that's what you want. You let it rest. You let it rest as long as you can, uh, about five to ten minutes. So the juices will go back to the entire steak, and it builds just fine. And there's a, a roast. A roast, what I do most of the time is uh, just sear it on the top. Just put it on the pan. Just a hot pan. Build a crust around it. And throw it inside the oven. And keep it for its lower temperatures. Like 225 to 250 for maybe 3 hours. If you have a big prime rib. And it will turn as perfect as you want it. And when it comes to stew, stew is the same thing. And it's stewing means like cooking it in a liquid or sort of liquid. And and same thing, you can cook this the stew meat, you can cook it on the stove or inside the oven. It's one or the other. And what I like when I cook meat, especially meat, I always use the meat on the bone. Because it gives you a lot of window. You don't mess it. Like if it's lean steak, you cook it, you might go a little over and it's overcooked and you might not like it. But when it comes to bones, bones hold a little bit of temperature and it helps you. It gives you a window of like two to three minutes of like spare time. You can take it like within five to all the way to eight minutes. So if you take it in seven, you're safe instead of doing other things. And the bone adds a lot of flavor too, right? Especially when you're making like a stew. The stew it takes you know quite some time 
on the stove or on the, in the oven, it takes it takes a little bit of time. It takes about two to three hours to cook, but you'll get gelatin out of the bone itself, and it's healthier. And basically, making this two, you're making the meal and the stock at the same time, which is help because we all know about you know any animals stock is really good for your health. Exactly, and. What are some things uh, that uh, one some things that we do to save money on grass-fed beef? And sometimes you'll see people on Instagram or something, and they're eating steaks, and you think, "Gosh, they're rich," but really, <laughs> they're not eating that. The they're not going to Whole Foods and buying the most expensive cut of meat. What most people do who are in paleo for a long time. Or you know, live, live, eating a low carb diet, they join a cow share, and then they split a cow with several other families. So we've done that several times in California, and we're looking for a farmer here. So you split the cow, usually in about four people, four different families, is a really good way because you can still fit it in your freezer. But the great thing about that is it makes every cut the same price. So you might pay five or six dollars a pound for each pound of, and it will be for everything. So the ground beef will be the same price as the filet mignon. And you'll get bones and you'll get organ meats and everything. And it really is a way to save money. And it's not as big as you might think, and it will still fit in your freezer. We had a tiny apartment in San Francisco, and we still fit a we fit a quarter cow in our freezer many times, and we would also buy sometimes a sheep or a lamb and eat that too. And so that's a great way to save money. I buy, I like, I like lamb. I like a lot of lamb. It has the gamey, the gamey flavor, but it's one of the best. I grew up eating it all the time. But there's nothing wrong with beef or goat or any other meat is just you know like she said for four families will buy like a quarter of cow for sheep is about a hundred dollars 100 to 120 when you buy a whole sheep and you have the entire animal for yourself at home which is great especially like i mean it goes back all the time to your own butcher when you have a relationship with the butcher him or herself it's always easier. They tell you where the best meat is and how to do it. And you can go, even you got a, sh- a, a cow share, they'll tell you what to do with it without even buying. So it's it's a good it's a good thing to to do and like a cow cow share cow share will cost us about a quarter of a cow for hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, and I mean, it depends on the area where you're from. I mean, it could be, you know, anywhere from, you know, 100 to $300. It dip, you know, in California, it's a little more. But um, there's some good things to look for when you're trying to select the beef because it can be very confusing because of all the labels. So sometimes you'll see grass-fed, which doesn't mean that it's, it can't all, like I said, all cows are grass fed. So you want it to say a hundred percent grass fed. And then another label you want to see 
is maybe grass finished, which is a little bit more, you know, like they're saying, well, we didn't put this animal in a feedlot. You know, it was fed on grass the whole time because that omega three to omega six ratio can really get skewed even in a few weeks of eating corn or soy or um, other, you know, byproducts. So make sure it says uh, grass finished and grass fed. And you might see also the label organic. And organic is really good, but it can mean to have uh, organic corn or soy. Now, this is a great option if that's all you can find in your area. I know Costco has that. And, you know, it's a great start if you're new to this kind of thing uh, to just try to get organic. And depending on where I am, I will buy that sometimes if I'm traveling or, you know, I just can't get to the store. But try to, as you go on, try to make relationships with your local farmer or farmer's market and try to get to know how they feed their animals and get things that are free of GMOs and that are grass finished. So I hope that answers some of your questions. Did you have anything you want to add? Just one one thing. I, I heard it last week from my butcher when I was talking to him. And he said one time he spent about 15 minutes with one customer trying to explain to her how to cook one thing and what she needs to take if she's, you know, explain it to her. And when he was naming the cuts of meat or the part of the animal, she was like, huh? Please, just do yourself a favor and do the butcher a favor. Just know your cow. Know how it's split. And it helps you a lot in the long run and in the short run too. It helps you to know what you want and exactly what kind of cuts you need to get home. Because if you have a party... You don't want to get the wrong steak and you end up by not having a party at all. (laughs) And one thing that I've learned over the time is when it comes to grass-fed beef, the fattier the better and the more forgiving it's going to be. So if you're new to cooking, then just get the fattiest grass-fed beef that you can find and you will probably be safe. Is that a good tip? Yes, it is. So... One more thing we want to tell you is that a lot of these recipes for these different types of cuts of meat are in our book, Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. So if you're new and you don't know how to cook, you know, brisket or ground chuck or grass-fed beef ribs or certain steaks, there's lots and lots of good recipes for grass-fed beef in Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. And you can find that on Amazon dot com or go to mediterranean paleocooking.com and get our book and make sure that you subscribe for all of our recipes over at grassfedlist.com so we appreciate you listening we're going to be back next week with more tips on how to cook for a paleo lifestyle thanks so much again have a great week thank you for listening and Just if you have any questions, just pile them up and we will do one podcast that we answer all the questions you want. Yeah, you can contact us at uh, caitlin at grassfedgirl.com. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.